0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming. It has been said many times, especially on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can be spending our hobby time and our hobby dollars on these days. It can lead to a serious case of fear of missing out on the great stuff that's happening. Uh, And that's kind of the point of this podcast, is to talk about the games that my guests and I have been playing. Uh, a big industry events that have been happening, or uh, local gaming events that, or I guess international gaming events, that um, my guests and I have been partaking in uh, for a variety of game systems. Uh, this is sort of a wild west of game systems. We do talk about a lot of things, and tonight I am very pleased to say we're going to talk about two games, I'm sure amongst others, uh, that I... I would personally love to see more airtime given to in the podcast verse. Uh, But, of course, before I bring up the games, it is important to bring on my guest. Um, I would say a guest, but uh, this man is truly a member of the Cast Dice family. Not only is he probably the man I've played more games with in the last five years than any other human being, uh, but he has a great analytical mind, and he is a damn fine human being. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Dave Monroe. Welcome back to Cast Dice.
1: Thanks Brad, always a pleasure to be here and talk gaming.
0: It is a pleasure to have you back, man. I just it was so good to dial up Skype and I know I see you face to face quite often, but it is nice to hear you over Skype as well.
1: Yeah, yep, and uh, we won't get interrupted, will we? So, yeah, exactly.
0: So- Unless the the dog wants to go out on the deck and then I'm sure <laughs> we'll be interrupted by something. Um, But, Dave, talking about the games that we have been playing, we have been playing quite a few, actually. Um, And uh, I know you and I have been threatening to try out a whole bunch of other wild stuff. Um, Before we get into any of that, let's talk about some of the stuff you've been painting because uh, you are part of a a painting challenge. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that because I know you've... uh, sort of lit a fire under you and you've gotten a lot of stuff done or uh maybe not as much as you'd hoped
1: um look i think relative to a lot of people because it's the the um the DD 2D, 2d 21 the 50 days of mm-hmm. hobby um i think yeah I, i'm getting more painting done than i would have but everyone else is up to about day 25 and i'm up to day seven <laughs> 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 of actual a uh, half minimum half hour per day but no look it's it's 5 days more than I would have got done so I think that's exactly. been a good thing.
0: You're winning. Yeah. yeah, right on. So what have you been painting because I saw today the dreaded rivets post.
1: Yes, well, I sort of um I've was it Blitzkrieg, had a had a, mm-hmm. a sale on over Easter, I think it was, but anyway, yes. some tanks arrived and, and I, I thought, oh, bugger I bought some early war tanks. Nice. And uh, with, at the time, no particular projects in mind and like I bought a T-70 and I don't even have a Russian army <laughs> Uh mm-hmm. And um the bold action Facebook groups have been helpful in identifying what these tanks were. I'm sitting here looking at these blocks of resin going, <laughs> what have I got here? Exactly. But um but I've got an idea for a partisan force as well and, and I'm gonna use uh the the Vickers tank, which is one with all the rivets into this partisan force.
0: Nice.
1: So um yeah, so I've been getting my my um what's the, what's the tread head? Your inner uh, tread group.
0: head. yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's a bit of what I've been doing there. And, uh, and there's a a bunch of partisans undercoated waiting to go as well.
0: Nice. Well, uh, I don't know if you heard the the drop in the background, but, uh, I was holding an Italian, uh, armored car and I just snapped the barrel off the gun because I dropped it while I was so excited about hearing about rivets. I, uh, broke one of my own tanks. Thankfully it wasn't (laughs) even assembled.
1: I hate that. It's not like the Italians can use their guns. So I wouldn't worry about that.
0: Oh, Wow. That's how you're going to go with this. Okay, okay, here we go. <laughs> but
1: you've been getting a bit of painting done, too. I've been seeing your stuff.
0: Oh, God, yes, I guess I have. Um, and I I guess I haven't really been talking about a lot. Um, maybe I should mention it. Thank you, Dave, uh, for the great segue. The uh, So a while ago, I know I mentioned when I had Jason on, um, Dr. Mercury, the blogger, Uh, We talked about G.I. Joe on the tabletop, and I talked about how I had been messing around with adapting the bolt action rule set um, to sort of encompass, you know, the toy line G.I. Joe Cobra action force, uh, that sort of thing from the 1980s. Um, And it ports over pretty well, but there's a few things like um, needing to update the assault weapon rules because obviously assault rifles got better um, and everyone has them. And you don't want to pay five points for every single model. And yet you also want to be able to use these lists in fair games against mates who are using World War II stuff. So, I mean, that and there's the inclusion of helicopters and, you know, missile systems and all sorts of other wackiness. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's a a fun little experiment. And I think with you know, the, the talk of career and whatnot and pushing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a good idea to have a play with those rules, see what's see what's possible.
0: Exactly and having some fun with it. So I I I coughed up a version one beta of um, you know, how you would adapt the, the bolt action rules. I included things like running boards, um, or, you know, little shelves to carry troops on the side because and as once I started researching it, an astonishing number of G.I. Joe tanks have um, little running boards along the sides and back for, I guess, so you can put your action figures on it. But it means that, like, you kind of have to account for that rules wise. Um, and so I added that um, rockets, of course, helicopters. And so, yeah,
1: it, um, Des, go ahead. Despite, despite you being old man Moran, I'm just slightly older than you. You are. And, and uh, the whole GI Joe comic thing—I was already at uni when it dropped, so it kind of passed me by a little bit. But um, what am I bring it up for? What sort of scale were the original ones?
0: So um, I'm glad you asked. So GI Joe way, way, way back when was twelve, were the twelve-inch ones, like the giant, you know, yeah. Barbie scale. Um, but my generation, Joe, um, and God, I am dating myself here. When I was in primary school. Um, were three and a quarter, three and a quarter inch. Um, scale. It's basically what, um, the Star Wars figures were. Uh, oh, It, okay. it yeah. redefined the action figure sort of universe because, um, literally uh, by watching some documentaries and reading some articles about sort of the development of these toys, um, basically a guy. Um, They were trying to figure it out because they wanted to sell vehicles because Star Wars in particular, you know, TIE Fighters, X-Wings, Millennium Falcon, they wanted to sell the toys for these things. And they, you know, they couldn't do that on like a 12-inch model, Um, but they wanted to have figures interacting with it. And so literally um, the guy who was in charge of the line sort of held his fingers apart and said, you know, his his, uh, index finger and his thumb and said, that's how tall I want these figures to be, and okay. that just happened to be. They brought a ruler in, and it happened to be yep. three and a quarter inch, and About that <laughs> and that's how tall they were. Um, but that yeah. meant that you know, and that was, of course, enormously um, influential to the yeah, Joe a- line because that's where we got all the vehicles.
1: Yeah. Right. Okay. And that's but just a little bit big for the gaming table. Exactly. So you e- reversed, didn't you?
0: I did. And so 3D printing is amazing. Um and it's getting better by the day. Uh there I have a, a fine gentleman who does some printing for me in the United States. Um, and he prints for me in resin. Um, and so I just sent him batches occasionally and he sends me boxes back. And um I have an astonishing amount of the toys that I played with <laughs> in one fifty six scale.
1: Cool. Hey, something I meant to ask you the other day is mm-hmm. a question without notice. Why did you do um, mod BA and not K forty seven?
0: That is an excellent question. Um, so I had thought to use K forty seven originally. Um, I just thought there were more bolt action players in the world. Uh-huh. Um, more accessible. Yeah, exactly. That said, when I use when I put wrote, so I wrote this rule set um, that includes full army list for GI Joe. And for Cobra, um, mm. and when I wrote things like the snake armor, um, the snake battle armor, which are giant armored suits that guys wear, um, mm. and a few other units like that, uh, literally it was, okay, I'm using the rules from K47, cut, paste. Yeah. Um, there, yeah,
1: There doesn't seem to be any real close combat heavy specialists in those beta lists you released.
0: No. They're still the,
1: dudes with guns.
0: Exactly. Um, I basically yeah. kept it that way. Uh, eventually, I do have a few. Um, I have the Dreadnoughts rules um, ready to go. I just haven't added them to the um, to the to the beta rule set yet. Um, which is, by the way, in case folks are wondering, I got a lot of feedback. Um, I asked a lot of people to look at it, and I got some great feedback. And I think it's. I think we're on 1.6. Um, and I mean, cool. significant changes have come through. Um, But yeah, so the Dreadnoughts... Oh, uh, look,
1: I haven't seen it since (laughs) 1.2.
0: Yeah, so uh, it's been a lot of rule tweaking. Um, The point values, I'm pleased to say, everyone seems pretty happy with. Um, If you're wondering, like, how did I come up with this? um, I reverse engineered a little bit of the point values of things, but generally almost all the vehicles are a direct analog to something that appears in bolt action anyway. And I just, um, you know maybe took away open topped or added open topped and added running boards on the side and possibly like oh yeah that's a really
1: neat way to go about things because you're kind of like it's approximately balanced that way you're much closer to something to work yeah
0: Mm, well that's the whole point the whole point is i want it to be balanced with bolt action as it runs vanilla and that was the whole point is if if anything i always rounded up or added extra points if it looked Mm. you know hinky um so i don't think there's anything in it that is you know grossly broken um if anything given the lack of certain uh popular meta units in the lists i think it's possibly the opposite way um Mm. but again it's made for narrative fun gaming um cool And, um, yeah, so there's a, there's a bunch of stuff I need to add in, um, ninjas, for example, be GI Joe in the eighties. Uh, but you know, there's, Uh. yeah, so I'm having a lot of fun with that and that is kind of leading me down a dark path because another sort of, and this will segue into our first chat there, Dave, um, I'm also working on a little something else that's, um, a little different. Uh, so, you and I have been playing Rick Priestley's new fantasy game, Warlords of Erewhon.
1: Oh, how much fun is that? Right? It's such a pleasure to get your old minis on the table.
0: Mm-hmm. It is fantastic. It yeah. is. It's also nice to play a Rick Priestley game. Um, so, a man who's, like, helped invent the Warhammer universe. So, it's sort of like the fantasy that I grew up with and I really enjoy.
1: It, but- it is, but it's slightly... It's slightly broader than that. It's it like is. you can get you, you can get way more than your um, G-Dub minis on the table, totally. and that's part of its um, charm, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: And the fact that and, and Rick said this when he was on the Warlord cast. Um, when he built it, he 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 didn't build it in a way like unfortunately, like a lot of game, it wasn't built like Warlord didn't commission him to do this. He literally did it on his own time and then sold it to Warlord who then published it, but now Rick is continuing the game's support and updates and new army lists through his own website. They're not being sold. And so what's really fascinating about this game for me is it's designed to be um, sort of internally balanced, and it doesn't have codex creep because it's designed to be leveled, which I think yeah. is refreshing
1: yeah I do. I like that. I, I mean I was thinking about this. the in some ways it would be nice to have kind of really generic build your own lists. Mm. But I think what he's able to do with the quite broad mix of armies he's already put out there is is contain give diversity, but also keep it contained and a bit more balanced. yes. I'm sure it's possible to do broken shit, but, um, yes. <laughs> but But I think in general, it's it's pretty easy to to create a um, couple of good lists to go at each other.
0: And speaking of which, um, he recently, as in this week, um, not to date this episode, um, he uh, put out, I guess it was last week, at the end of last week, he put out an FAQ, both through Warlord and through his own website, um, you know, as you say, fixing some of the broken yeah. shit, but he literally... Oh also put updates of every single army list in the book and in the last couple of days has released the Snake Man slash Lizard Man list if you want to play those armies. Or, uh, sorry, and by the time this goes to air, the Samurai list will probably be live for free as well.
1: Oh, how sweet is that? That's that's pretty cool. And I think his fact that, I, I reckon he was only writing down what we were choosing to do anyway. Yeah. There was, you know, we and, and we weren't. I guess we weren't trying to be too cute about the interpretations. Right. And uh, and he picked some of the more obvious um, typos and omissions and, and got them back in. So yeah, I, I thought that was a really good service. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I think Warlords. Um, they, they helped demonstrate the the importance of a good editor. Hmm. <laughs> Perhaps sometimes with a negative example, but nonetheless, the, mm-hmm. the, he's working through and fixing it, and, and it's fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I was really impressed with the few things. You know, it's one thing to write something up and to put it out, and I can't imagine writing an entire game system. Like, I'm not. Yep. Yeah. But even having had done a masters in the last couple of years. I mean, you write stuff, and then you hand it to someone else, and no matter how many times you've read it, your brain self-corrects errors. I teach my students this. And so, literally, there are some things you literally cannot see, no matter how good you are. And so... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I know you personally um, have also done this uh, and seen this in your own life, as you said. Um, And I know that Rick had people proofreading it, but again you know it takes a million to get it right you know how many i mean you look at games workshop these days they put out you know games supplements and then weeks later if not days later they put out faqs um yeah i mean it's astonishing how few faqs there are for warlords um, of erilon
1: look i think you're right and and there's a there's always been an. You know i think that the most playable games have always had a a fair chunk of interpretation, I think, in the rules. Mm-hmm. Kind of there, there is a kind of a, a meta. He says, waving his hands in a big, expansive yes. way, yes. Um, of how you come together on a table, and and the people that look too closely at the words, I find a bit wearing actually to play
0: against. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, we're
1: here to do positive stuff, not worrying about them.
0: Exactly. Well, (laughs) I mean, uh, mean, it is important, though, that a few people did really dig into the rules and find, you know, a couple of, I don't want to say massive loopholes, but, you know, some possibly exploitable things. And Rick immediately remedied, to my knowledge, almost all of them, if not all of them. Which was, yeah, and right. I guess
1: it's a service of sorts, isn't it? Is is you know the um your software engineer their, their job is to shake it and see if the tree falls over. Mm-hmm. So look, it's it's um it's a useful service. It is. Yeah,
0: yeah and I was really. Well, we've played... had a few good games oh, sorry, with Woe, though, and we had oh, and you, and, you
1: were, and we had that hobby day that went pretty well. That was mm-hmm. good.
0: So we've played. um you know, normally, Dave, when you and I play a game, it's usually, well, I'm going to bring an army that I have, and you take an army that you have, and it's a game system that we've sort of adapted. And we may play it a couple times um, to sort of kick the tires, but often we're using the same forces. Um, and I think that I think we've done the best job of sort of kicking the tires on Woe than all the games that we've played. Um, possibly Gaslands aside, because we've played with a lot of different armies. I mean, you personally yep. have run um, what now? Orcs, dwarves, what else?
1: Um, orcs and dwarves, um, played barbarians. So was your barbarian That's army. Right. We played with them as well. And yeah, so, and I've been looking at, um, at some different versions of barbarian lists mm-hmm. as well, uh, just to see how different I can make armies from the same list.
0: Yeah, let's. And get...
1: it's really very, very different. It is,
0: right? Now I want to get to the barbarian bit in a sec. Yeah. But I've I've also been playing a lot with my Chaos Warrior Army as different yeah. forms of barbarians, as you're saying. Um I've yeah. added some bits and pieces. I've been playing with my orcs, um, which I, have been nice I, to see, yeah.
1: And I think um the you've been playing the chaos dwarf list with the just the straight dwarf yes. army, haven't you? Mm-hmm. And and the even the dwarf on dwarf battles there Mm -hmm. were they feeling different
0: so dwarves um though one of the few things that i've heard a few people grumble about and it's funny that i'm saying the word grumble and dwarf in the same sentence but (laughs) uh, people occasionally grumble about woe is dwarves um armies that have high armor values dwarves i'm staring at you um Mm -hmm. tend to be Um, harder to deal with than a lot of other armies. Um, And certain armies, in particular, Elves, uh, and maybe Barbarians might suffer from this because they have sort of their light on um, save modifiers, SV, which which will reduce armor. So it sometimes feels like, oh my God, it's hard to get through dwarves. But as soon as you start moving to um, adding units, like planning for that in advance and not just taking the toys that you existingly have... Um, that can change. Uh, yeah, I agree. That's
1: that's kind of the the dwarves. I think, at least here in Melbourne, had a little bit of an edge at the start. I think just through mm-hmm. they're an easier army to learn in some ways. But yeah. I think as people start learning the the synergies, those multipliers that you can get when you uh, with the units together, that mm-hmm. even that evened out pretty quickly. I think. Yeah, I and each of the armies does have a a kind of a thing they do well, Mm -hmm. uh, which I really like.
0: Agreed. Yeah, and I really like um, just getting into some of the funkier units um, that perhaps, you know, existed in other game systems, um, trolls or, you know, goblin fanatics or um, giant axe-wielding crazies. Um, You know, it depends on the army you're playing, but man, it's fun. And I'm just having a wonderful time putting you know, all of these fantasy models that I have, um, that have been sitting in drawers or cases forever and just putting them on the tabletop. Um, and I know you're feeling the same way. In fact, I know you're painting up or finishing up an army that you painted a long time ago for something else. That's for an army list. That's about to come out.
1: Yes, indeed. It's, um, how how nice is that? I mean, that was, uh, uh, samurai rabbits that I'd picked up from Eureka on a whim Mm -hmm. and, um, they've, They've never been used in a game. They've just been there. And uh, I thought there might have been um, uh, the Kung Fu one from Osprey. Mm. Um,
0: Festival of Kung Fu.
1: That's the one. Um, But I never got around to playing it. And uh, so they were just there. So now, yeah, there's very every chance I'll get on the table. uh, I'll probably have to add some peasants or something, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Every samurai needs some peasants to um, push around. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so have the wacky rabbits and, on the table and, um, played an undead army on that hobby day That's that, right. um, they had a giant Smurf as, uh, as the rot as mm-hmm. the white, um, which is a bit daft, but nonetheless, it was in theme with the army it it was, was the colors and <laughs> no worse than Ghostbusters and there the you marshmallow go. man.
0: Mm-hmm. I was stay literally puff. thinking that when it hit the table, <laughs> stay puff, marshmallow Smurf. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> So, so
0: um, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so we, I, we did do that, yeah. didn't we? Um, we did, I know you mentioned it before, but we had a hobby day where we all got together and um, it was originally set up to be sort of a tournament. But given that I think we had six players in the end, um, what we ended up doing was just sort of opening it up to be more of a round-robin gaming afternoon. Um, you know, we gave out gift certificates, but we didn't give out, like, trophies. And it, yeah. was, just, it was just to play... Uh, Warlords of Erewhon and sort of get to know it and we had a good spread we had some orcs um, we had orc undead dwarf yep. uh, barbarians um, I'm trying to think what else uh, oh maybe there's it was four
1: players two dwarves you had your cast dwarfs. there's dwarfs. that's right. um, barbarians yeah uh, there, there's a, a reasonable spread
0: yeah and it was it was fun um, and it was great to see undead on the table man yep oh I want undead now
1: Yes, yeah, I, I was thinking the same. been looking at the undead list. It's um, mm. a, lot, a lot of possibilities. I think the trouble is I'd need to paint some skeletons. Mm-hmm. I do I need another project? I know <laughs> no. skeletons can take long, but, you know. Still,
0: I... <laughs> it's another project. You gotta. So for skeletons, it's for me anyway, it's not usually to paint them, um, and that's me saying the slowest painter ever. Um, I actually paint bone pretty quickly after being a Games Workshop player forever. They put skulls yep. on everything, so I right. actually got pretty quick at painting bone. Um, yeah, for me it was um, building those goddamn skeletons because I I did play Tomb yeah. Kings at one point and oh, I, okay, uh, and my skeletons are from that era and I'm going I, I really don't want to put these monsters yeah you have
1: to be doing a lot of funky pinning and stuff on the particularly on mm. the unit leaders and the the generals and whatnot yeah. yeah I have an awful lot of zombies but I'm not sure having said how wonderfully diverse it is I'm not quite sure how much fun a zombie horde would be to play. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It would be interesting. I mean, it does require you to, um, so in, in Warlords of Erewhon, if you play undead, um, zombies don't use your general's leadership, um, or any of the bonuses your general gets, and they have to kind of rely on a model that has the zombie master rule. And so that really does sort of pigeonhole your army in a certain way. If you want to lean heavily on zombies, Um, which would be, I think, you know, wonderfully thematic, and it would be, you know, terrifying, I'm sure. But they're all
1: strike value zero. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, I don't don't know, you'd need something to do a bit of hard-hitting as well. But I'm sure it could be done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A zombie (laughs) dragon, perhaps, Um, having just watched a (laughs) certain television show that shall remain nameless. Spoilers. Uh, But, yeah, so... I know you've been playing around with lists, Dave, um, and I know that you've been looking at those barbarians. So, um, so the barbarian list at first, at first glance, you look at it and go, "Oh, this is very similar to, reminiscent of, perhaps chaos warrior esque." At least that's ex- immediately where my brain went. Um, but there's some really neat opportunities. You want to talk about some of that because it's yeah, cool. I think so.
1: Yeah, the your kind of basic mixed list with the barbarians, isn't it? You got lots of guys that are fairly lightly armored. Uh, and then uh, a couple of heavy-hitting units and some dudes on horses, a big chariot, So, which is you know, most of the armies describes. But I, I was looking at it, because I've got a, a box full of Vikings, like lots mm-hmm. of people do, and uh, I think you could pay for the upgrades and give them all medium armour and give them savage or something like that. And um, at 800 points, you could still get eight dice. And while well, I'm looking at three units of warriors, a unit of berserkers couple of squads of archers yeah. and a shaman. So I yeah. think that would actually be pretty good because you'd have a little bit of magic and a couple mm-hmm. of squads of, for the, the distance uh, attacks. So I think you'd kind of surge forward and you could be in somebody's face there and have all your Vikings on the table. You'd go the other way and have all Neanderthals, uh, I was thinking. Yes. So I haven't got models for those, but you could just, instead of spears, you could just call them clubs or whatever. It wouldn't matter much. And uh, and and then, then you just go with... Um, naked dudes, mm-hmm. and uh, and you you get extra squads in, and you can have extra men in your units there instead of six or seven men, you could go seven or eight men then. Mm-hmm.
0: And you um, can take a woolly mammoth.
1: Spot on. You have a big mammoth, have mm-hmm. some warhounds, um, squads uh, of brats yes. uh, with rocks. Or pay for them to have slings, so you wouldn't mm-hmm. have to have arrows. You could have this older school, and they're they're cheapest chips. Yeah, they are. Um, so if you lost a couple, it wouldn't matter very much. So yeah, so that that would be a really nice looking army too. Or you could yeah. use um, the um, uh, the Eureka Devisonians as well. Ah. Uh, did you know those guys? They're very oh. Oh, these guys with clubs and they're naked and or at least loin cloths and stuff.
0: No, I don't.
1: It, it's um, but yeah, cavemen and stuff about. Uh, and I was, same, I was yeah.
0: thinking um, Savage Core. Savage Core does some excellent. Uh, yeah, 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 like, indeed. Um, what are they? Or you
1: could do um, apes. Uh, I guess uh, gorillas or something too. Yeah. I guess.
0: Hmm. I do like uh, yeah. the gorilla. Absolutely.
1: So all with the same models, I guess. But yeah, again, I think that would that would feel a bit a bit different. That particularly with the big mammoth in the middle of the table. Oh yeah. And and Rick in the rules says it doesn't have to be a mammoth. You know, it could be a dinosaur. It could be mm-hmm. whatever. So um, put a big brontosaurus or something on the table instead.
0: That's right. Or you could use the actual stegosaurus slash brontosaurus uh, profile from the monster section if you wanted to do that too.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, although with the mammoth, you, um, uh, do you get stegosaurus riders?
0: No, you're right. Um, you Just don't the get the howdah. That's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you can have like up to eight guys on the back of the mammoth. Oh, that'd be pretty expensive.
0: Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, yeah.
1: And you could go full-on um, horse nomads as well, all, all mounted, mm-hmm. which, I don't know, I suspect would be quite fragile. Yeah, not
0: sure. but I think it would be fun. Um, one of the things – so the way the mechanics in Warlords work, and it's something that you and I were discovering, Dave, and feel free to chime in on this in a sec, is yep. the um, – I, I, in our first couple games, I ran a lot of light horse units, and so they would run in, and the way combat resolution works is um, when you cause a wound or, you know, it, it goes towards combat resolution to, you know, figure out who wins, just like you would expect from a normal game, but pins count, and that includes pins that the unit has sustained in advance, and... Um, during what they call the exchange of fire. So as units are charging in, um, they can also... So if you have, you know, horsemen with bows or horsemen with spears, um, if, you know, they're charging in before they attack, they actually get to exchange, you know some missiles and so they can actually do a pin to a unit before the attacking actually takes place. So what you're looking at is if you can get, you know, some horse archers on the go and some horse, you know, charging in, charging out, do a couple of pins, run into something, maybe cause some wounds, probably won't break anything, but then you run, like you get beaten and you're sort of forced to run off. That's fine. Um, because you're fast enough to get away but then yep. the next unit can then come in and smash the unit again um, so you just sort of and that's how i i was beating dwarves the first couple of times when we were playing yep. was you know hit bounce off hit it with something else immediately yep. and just keep those hits keep coming get those pins up
1: yeah i think you're right you know, get those couple of pins on first because that's what i was thinking again at 800 points you could have three units of four horsemen with bows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like a hundred points each, uh, and then stick a hero in a chariot, Yep. like a killing machine. Um, you could even give me some armor potentially, although I'd rather give the armor to the the, um, the chieftain and and uh, and his retainers. Definitely. And then and that leaves points left over for another unit of warriors. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you can put you know put some armor in them as well, and so yeah, you get those. If you had the patience to do do the drive by on the horses,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, and then and then coming with that second wave, I I reckon you could really mess people up. But if there were obstacles and things, does that that doesn't really mess horses up, does it? The rules are loose enough that it doesn't yeah. matter.
0: I don't think they. I don't think it makes a huge difference um, for yeah. horses. Yeah.
1: So I think that could be a nice looking. Um, that that could be a nice looking army too. Exactly. So there's. You no, know, and that's that's all just the same lists. There's so many possibilities in, in, in Woe in Warlords of yeah.
0: Erewhon. One. In just that one game I mean, just in that one list, and there's what, yes. eleven in the basic book. Um, and then yep. of course Lizardmen just came out. And as um good friend of the show Bo pointed out online, um it was really interesting to read that list because it has probably maybe some of the best variety and variation of all the lists. And that's saying something because the lists are robust. They give you options to be able to run, you know, huge varieties of armies. But that Lizardman list, man, whew, it's good.
1: Yeah, it had a really nice mix of monsters in that one, didn't mm-hmm. it? It's well worth a look. And, um, yeah, and I, the price point's right, isn't it? <laughs> it
0: is. Oh, free. Um, and especially since there are so many, I mean, what is it? Northstar makes, um, the, the snake models that I think Rick had in mind for part of the yep. list. Of okay, course, yep. if you want the more Saurian, um, lizard man, there's a variety of, um, models oh, out there, but if we're. I just
1: noticed there's a Tyrannosaurus as well.
0: Oh, is there? Oh,
1: a, yes. oh sorry. Tyr- Tyrannosaur.
0: That would be, but, yeah. Yeah. And then, well, if you want the Morsarian thing, you can just go with um, GW models or other companies. Uh, yep. And so it all, man, it all works out. It's just, there's a lot of great variety in there. Um, and then ninjas, you know, sorry, ninjas, samurai, for yeah. slip. um samurai are coming out this week. Um interesting
1: to with- see what special rules they bring with that because mm-hmm. the knights are the heavily armored dudes and the barbarians have kind of got the medium armor and the, and the tough and savage going on, bit of berserk. So, I wonder. I wonder what the samurais will bring.
0: So, I may have seen a very early iteration of said list, and um, it is uh, it is similar to the knights list. Yeah, that makes. Sense. Um, it does, except they don't have heavy armor. Um, yep. And they get a lot, you know how that, uh, so the Knights list in Warlords of Arawan is also one that you can really go in a lot of really interesting directions because you can take yeah. like religious fanatics. Um, yeah. You know, there's all sorts of wacky stuff you can add. Um, yep. And in the samurai list, they also get some fun, funky um, models and characters, uh, monsters that they can add in that are very traditional Japanese. So Oni ogres, um uh- tengu birdmen, um and then you start adding in you know japanese musket uh soldiers and then you throw in um, any monkey gods sorry what
1: any monkey gods
0: not that i saw but you also of course have ninja um and you know there's just it's just a lot of different directions you can go with the list but you know of course you have your samurai you have your ashigaru you have um you have the mo- the warrior monks uh, and then throw in all those characters on top. Man, it, there's just a lot of really cool <laughs> ways you can go with that list. And so I'm looking at it going, I own a samurai army. Uh, yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and we were doing work on our house and I didn't have access to my samurai models until about a week ago. And I just pulled them right. out and went, I must finish what's on my painting table before I put this out. That.
1: yeah it's a challenge isn't it oh, so, so many ideas it is Cause, uh yeah because the, and the, the human the other human list of the um the the greek ones what do they what do they call that one
0: uh, is it olympians
1: uh, yeah the olympians yeah. yeah
0: there's some awesome stuff in that list
1: yeah so it's it's well worth a look so it's a I- pretty book too
0: it is. Um, it just flipping through the pictures, the art in it, um, a lot of the art in it is actually from an Australian um, artist, someone who I've been meaning to have on the show, uh, a friend of the show, Patch, um, is friends with uh, the family. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Just uh, gotta got to have him on, talk about how the the process for doing this fantasy art is because it's gorgeous art and then beautiful models interspaced you know, throughout the book.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's nice, nice mix of GW and North Star and different things in there, and mm-hmm. looks like a little bit of Osprey um, uh, illustrations, too.
0: Yes, exactly, thrown in from uh, some of their historical stuff, which is not yeah. surprising, given that they probably <laughs> made the book.
1: Yeah, I guess so, yeah. So, yeah, there's some um, noise in the background flipping through the book.
0: Yeah, I'm literally doing the same thing, but it is nice. I mean, if you look in the last page of the book, two, four, six, eight, nine, uh, nine, they mention nine, how to find nine different, uh, miniature companies that they show the models to, you know, models for throughout the book. Um, and then yeah. of course there are others in there as well. Um, and it's, you know, it's just, I really like that it's a miniature agnostic game. Um, it yeah. just frees things up. Is, is that been your experience as well?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, it, it might um, – yeah, I, I, I really like that it, it doesn't care about the particular miniatures all that much. Um, it's, you know, choose your own adventure there. And the, the entry hurdle is a lot – cost of entry is a lot lower uh, in the sense that you don't need to worry about learning about the background or anything. It's just kind of like, yeah, okay, there's some orcs, there's some elves, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay, there's going to be a fight. All right, off you go. Um, so that that side of things is nice. I, I guess that might limit it marketing marketing wise, mm. but it's probably serving its niche very well. Yeah, it and does. a bit of a testing ground, As an, as an evolution of the, uh, as an addition to that bold action family uh, right. uh, of rules. Okay. Again, it just shows how how flexible the 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 the, the underlying mechanics are.
0: Exactly. And it's it's sort of that whole bolt. It's sort of like, well, I guess it isn't technically bolt action. Um, it is still in that, you know, using the order dice. A lot of the mechanics are the same, as you say. They're similar. Um, why am I? Oh, Gates of Antares, of course. Um, I was trying to I blanked on that. It is um, sort of the direct descendant of Gates. Um, yeah, it's really close fantasy. to that because
1: it's using D10s, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and the, the action-reaction. Um, I think I mean Rick talked about that when he was on the Warlord podcast around uh, he kind of reskinned the dice and purposefully didn't kind of restricted himself to just using the same labels, mm-hmm. which does make it slightly weird. So pins isn't quite the right word, for example. Right. But um, ambush isn't quite the right word for what the mm-hmm. rules doing. But the but the, the interaction at the table one you know you can get past that pretty quickly. Um, is really nice just that kind of disruption i guess you'd call it yeah. It's kind of a yeah that that mechanic of um the pins don't reduce your combat ability but they reduce your ability your willingness to hang around exactly uh, yeah. yeah
0: yeah and i really i mean i, I was initially um skeptical of um uh, several things in the rules i looked at and immediately went la. Um, which, you know, uh, and I I think I even said that when I talked to Rick, um, the the break point, um, being in the rules, um, some of the missions being very, you just stand there and punch the other person in the face. Um, Mm. but then combining that with a break point, whereas you break half of your opponent's army, all of a sudden the game has a chance of ending, Um, I was like, oh God, is it going to turn into like a hyper competitive kicking someone else in the face until they quit? Not that I've had years of experience playing Warhammer fantasy and tournaments that would make me think of that. Um, Uh But I, I, I mean, I love how this game plays. And I
1: think, yeah, I agree. Look, I I think um, two thoughts there is I think the, um, the addition of slight other objectives around carry a relic off the board and some of those sorts mm-hmm. of things, even or, or get your units off the board, uh, even even as you're trying to punch the other uh, fellow, is it changes that dynamic slightly because you might get to a point where your break point is so close you've got to change what you're doing just to stay in the game, mm-hmm. and I think the other thing is in the fantasy, it's it's not a Secret heist simulation. It is a fight simulation. So at right. some point you're not controlling Territory you're not laying out suppressing fire. You're getting up close and personal to something mm-hmm. <laughs> So so I think that ability to to um, Remove units is is almost fundamental to the genre. So right. I, I'm, I'm not too worried about that part of it
0: But it's also it, the game is built in a way and I agree completely with what you're saying in i really like how it couples well with the idea that um, the way combat's resolved um units are more durable than what i'm used to given you know bolt action or warhammer fantasy for example so having a break point to have half your army broken i mean how many times have we played dave um you know are either each other or other people when our armies have been broken in bolt action by like turn three or turn four um and yeah. you know half your army's gone oh game over like that, that would not make, I don't think that rule would fit bolt action whatsoever. No. And,
1: and, and the, um, it doesn't, it it doesn't lend to the world war two simulation either. Right. I think that the, obviously if you're losing that many dudes and your army's collapsing anyway, but it's kind of not the primary purpo- purpose, purpose mm-hmm. So suppressing and controlling. So getting those objectives, you've got to kill the other guy too. That's part of how you're getting there. Mm-hmm. So like, they're not going to, they're gonna, not going to stop you if they're dead. But, yeah um, right. <laughs> so I think yeah, it's it's interesting to see that those different emphasis uh, that, that that comes about.
0: Well, I had concern. My, I guess my concern was, um, given that it's a smaller scale, you have fewer, way fewer models than you often see in a bolt action army on the on the Warlords of Aruwan tabletop, and yep. you're, you know, it's it's it, they're of a the same family. And you have that, you're still playing a similar number of turns, often on a similar size table, and you just start thinking, wow, okay, things are going to die quick, and then the game's going to be over in two turns. But no, the, the durability of units
1: is yeah. completely and, different. And you can conserve things uh, a little bit. And, yeah. and the the heroes, the way you can use a leader to get a a, a unit back into the game,
0: mm-hmm.
1: occasionally I'll just run off, but but a unit that, that has been hammered badly and has got six, points, uh, six pins on it, you know, another pin or two and it might disappear, that your, your hero can shout at them and get them back in the game. That's right. And if and as the opponent, if you're concentrating on that degraded unit, that potentially means you're ignoring that unhurt unit Nearby exactly. that can suddenly get in your face, so your threat priority becomes important too. Around, oh, do I go for the points or do I try and actually um, put some hurt out on you as well? So I think you, um, it's it's very fluid, and because mm-hmm. you don't, we've been playing smaller points levels. I think I see on the web a lot of people around the thousand points. And that's probably yeah. a bit of a sweet spot, but you just when you don't have many assets, you've got to each one hurts when it disappears. Yeah.
0: Exactly. (laughs) I think at some point we should probably play like a 1250. I think a few people have been playing that maybe in smaller scale models, but, you know, bigger battles, if that makes sense, Um, just to get some of the big griblies in. But as Rick says, the game wasn't written for big griblies. It was it's it's like bolt action in the sense that it's like an infantry based game um, that has, you know, and when I say that, I mean, you know, uh, chariots and um, cavalry as well. It's when you start adding, like, you know, dragons that are flying around breathing on people. That's going to kind of throw the balance out the window a little bit.
1: It's very much in that skirmish. Exactly. uh, uh, They're still units. They're not individual figures, but um, yeah, they're not. It's not mass battles. It's not, you know, facing doesn't matter.
0: And I know you mentioned rallying a second ago, um, but I think it is really it's a really cool dynamic in the game and it, it really does add as we were talking about before. So in bolt action, when you lose combat, you sort of die and that's it. Um, in this game, it's, it's almost like uh fanatic or I guess that doesn't even reflect well. Yeah. Um, if you lose, you take extra pins and then once you can take a certain number of pins, you run.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of think about it as, um, losing cohesion yes so you're definitely there are definitely deaths and things happening but but you kind of get to a point where the unit um loses either enough people or enough will to actually be in the fight and they mm. might turn white and flee so that that ability to keep enough units in the game as your crew pins it's harder to activate mm-hmm. and uh and your ability to win fights becomes harder because those Pins are added to you, or deducted from Your, mm-hmm. um, uh, your um, was it a leadership check, morale check after the fight? Exactly. The loser has to check against morale. Mm-hmm. So that that ability to um, stay coherent and and keep threatening is is hard. And then yes. you could choose to stop and start doing rallying, but that means you're not dealing damage either. So you see, you you stay in the game, but you're seeding, um, the initiative to the other player. You are. So it is a nice little dynamic.
0: Well, that, and if someone's running, um, you can actually, you know, we all know that feeling, or at least I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast will know the feeling if you've played bolt action or a game like it, if you have a unit that's pinned to oblivion and it's it's just going to sit there and it's not going to move. It was a big problem in bolt action version one um, because, you know, there was no way you're going to pass that leadership test unless you happen yeah. to roll incredibly well. Um, but they kind of fixed it in bolt action version two where you are rolling on your base leadership um, yeah. in this game, though. Um, you can have another unit um, that the unit, so your fleeing unit, if it runs near a friend, that unit can rally and their rallying can turn around your fleeing unit, which, you know, I, I wish in version one of <laughs> bolt action, I could have been able to do that. I can't tell you how many times. It's nice. Yeah. It's a nice dynamic. It really keeps you. Yeah, but I, I
1: think it captures that medieval thing a little bit too, though, mm. where you have um, the, the presence of your mates matters. So I think yeah. on the Second World War battlefield that um, the units from the reading of have done, so no expert, it's a much more empty place, a much more lonely place. Yeah. So if a squad's gone to ground or whatever, we're looking at the 6.4 and we can see everything, but those dudes hiding in that scrape, they can't see that. They can't yeah. feel that. So, so I don't think it's appropriate for bolt action, but it works really well in the the Warlords of Erwan.
0: Agreed. And I was, I guess, one of the other thing. Oh, uh, I guess, I, I, talking about the space on the on the battlefield. Um, I was a little. I looked at the scale, and I looked at the models, and I looked at the rules. But as you know, right before we played the first time, I was thinking, man, this is going to take forever to get across. You know, first couple of terms will be tactical, like, you know, Warhammer Fantasy kind of used to be. But the models there moved farther and they had an opportunity to charge farther. So I kind of feel like this isn't going to go very fast. And then you take the sprint in, which, you know, in bolt action terms, you walk or you run. And, you know, that is your distance. It's either you have a move distance and then you double it when you run. In, in Warlords, you can, for most units anyway, you can sprint, which means you can move three times your movement. But if you do that, there's a chance that you're going to actually, um, what is it, become exhausted. So you take a pin. Um, yep. And and that, if you're charging to get into combat with someone, means that you automatically are one sort of pip behind your opponent before combat even starts. So there's that yep. there's that... Do I risk it? Do I run? Especially if you're running triple distance to charge somebody like there's, yep. there's that gamble. And I like um, that. I like that a I'll, lot.
1: Yeah. And the, um, in things like the horse horseman, barbarian horsemen, and I imagine other cavalry units too, I've got that fast rule mm-hmm. so you can retain the run order. And, uh, which means that you're charging before anyone gets to take a dice out of the bag next yeah. turn. So, again, that mobility and being right up in the face uh, of of your enemies right there, those, I agree, it was like first time sat down and just reading the rules, you think, oh, there's not much going to happen turn one. I was like, no, no, actually, no, we're right in each other's faces, okay.
0: (laughs) I think usually in the games we play, you know, by turn two, maybe it's because a lot of the games we've been playing, I'm playing Orcs and Barbarians and I'm going... That way, boys. Get them. Uh, and, you know, often it's very fast. I'm putting together... Um, so we have another fun Warlord Day coming up next month. And uh, I'm putting together some goblins. And my goblins are going to be way less aggressive. <laughs> You're going to be hanging out in the back going, no, don't hit us, don't hit us. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a completely different way of, uh, different way of playing. But, uh, yeah, I, man... I, I love the depth to the game. I think there's there's a lot tactically to it that makes you, you know, once you play it a couple times, you need to start making some decisions. Um, when you're not just running like willy-nilly or pushing things into one another to see what happens, um, there's, some, there's some excellent tactical depth that I really enjoy. Uh, now, Dave, I, I know, I don't think we've talked about this. Um, magic... Magic is kind of cool in this game. Um, I I wanted magic. I wanted something magical in a fantasy game. Um, And I kind of didn't want something that was going to blow the doors off of something. You know, I didn't want mages to be the greatest and best of all in a skirmishy kind of game. I think Rick's kind of got the balance on this. You know, there's some powerful things. There's some things that aren't as powerful. I agree. There's
1: there's kind of an averaging process where mostly Mm. you kind of know what's going to happen. And it's not, fundamentally different to say shooting five or six arrows at somebody Mm. or uh and then sometimes it's very underwhelming yes and then just occasionally something really spectacular happens and that's good fun too
0: exactly
1: yeah i i think he's he's right and the nice mix of spells where it's not always damage Mm -hmm. um you know there's stuff that makes people go down uh there's that one that I like where that pushes a unit mm-hmm. to the other side of the board. Um, so lots of different things going on. So yeah, the magic's fun.
0: Yeah. I love uh, fireball. I love, you know, it's, it's the classic D and D is a little kid like fireball. Yep. I'm going to shoot fireball at the darkness. And you go, yep. um, who remember anyone who remembers that, from a million it doesn't matter ago. what the
1: question was. The answer is fireball. fireball
0: exactly. <laughs> um, but fireball, you know, not spectacular, especially in low-level mages, which is what I tend to take it on. Um, but why do I love it? Um, because fire causes an extra pin. And so I'm just standing there throwing pins out at units that I know either I'm about to charge um, and I need to deal with them. Yes, dwarves, I'm looking at you. Or, um, you know, if someone's got a shooty unit or something that I need to kind of put a hit or two on and possibly some pins to, you know, drop its effectiveness, boom, there you go. Um, yep. And I, the miscast table, It of course, it's a Rick game, so it's got to have a miscast table. And I just, I love it. It's so much fun. Um, just to be like, yes. ah, um, I, you know, a, a, a cloud of sparkly, you know, Dust eru- or sparks erupt from my mage. Nothing happens. Whew! Um, another time, you know, someone will be teleported off the board and will have to walk back on, and you just go, okay. And then other times, somebody drops through a dimensional door, and something awful eats them, and you go, you know, fantastic, fun was had. Woohoo, Look what happened to my mage.
1: Yeah, I miscast and I rolled a ten. And I thought, oh, that's going to be as bad as it gets, and and uh, it goes. By some strange twist in the weft of reality, a burst of magic unwinds the last few moments, turning back time and eradicating the spectacle of the wizard's embarrassing failure. Return yeah. the wizard's order dice to the dice bag and continue to play.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so you don't get your spell, but the wizard gets to go again. Um and yep. it, yeah, it's fun. Um, and I guess I guess that's what I love about this game. It's fun. Um, and I, I think it could be partially the people we're playing with, but yep. um, I think... No I think
1: the um, Warhammer fantasy up until about fifth edition mm-hmm. definitely third always had a strong sense of the absurd and the silliness in it mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of gradually squashed out over time and this, and this this game brings that kind of slightly old school humor that Rick has. Back to, to, to the, the, the gaming table. Exactly.
0: And third ed, I'm glad you brought that up was sort of my first, my first edition of Warhammer fantasy. It was the hardback book um, with the, the barbarian squashing the, the goblin head on the cover. And it was that fantastic battle scene, but it came out sort of concurrent to Warhammer 40K. And there's actually a section in the book that says, if you want to play Warhammer 40,000, you know, armies or forces in this game, it's designed to, and the stat lines were identical and the rules were very similar. So that all you needed to do was plonk a unit or an army from one game into the other one. And they were completely interchangeable. Um, and there was that whole thing is, is the the planet where Warhammer fantasy was being played on or, you know, is that in the 40K universe? Um, yes. Right. Yeah. Same chaos, God, same everything. And so, you know, as a kid growing up with that, you're like, this is cool. Um, and that kind of has got me going down a dark hole. But um, before we get to that dark hole, is there anything else you wanted to talk about Um about warlords uh of era One in general because man i know i know we're going to play some more and i know you're working on some new armies and so am i just to sort of you know have some fun with it and go yeah, to sounds like, second it sounds phase.
1: like yeah, it sounds like we've got a uh a, an asian gaming day coming up yeah we do as uh yeah uh, no i think the, the it's good fun i think it's worth worth having a, a look at um and as the um, saga, yes, age of magic, age of magic. almost at the same time. And mm-hmm. I was, I was so looking forward to um, the saga stuff, and then the warlord happened. Uh, the uh, warlords of Erewhon. Mm-hmm. and I haven't even bought the fantasy supplement for for yeah. um, the saga. I think the saga the saga system's a little crunchier, mm-hmm. um, and um, it's just not where my head at is quite at the moment, exactly. which is not a Denigration of saga—it's a, a, a comment on myself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think I'll, I'll end up picking it up because the, they 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 produce such beautiful stuff. But I think it's really scratching an itch at the moment of that mm-hmm. just that uh, fantasy skirmish level. Um, get the old models out of the cupboard; mm-hmm. it's good fun.
0: Exactly, and have fun while you're at it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's also I've um, I've had a. A Busy couple of years, in particular this one for work. Um, probably more than I'd, I'd probably more than I'd like to admit, and so, so it's sort kind of taken taken my 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 will for anything serious out, and you know, so out back so a little bit it. of
1: gaming. A little bit of gaming nostalgia then is good, because that's the other yes. thing we've been doing, of course, is uh, mm-hmm. getting, getting lots of other um, old minis out of the cupboard as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought that up, Dave. I should pay you for segues. Um, so there was a conversation I was having with some friends, um, and I think it might have been Casey, um, my, my dear buddy uh, down in Texas. Um, he and I were talking, and I think it may have been him who said, um, I really wish they did a... Uh, science fiction rule set for, um, Warlords of Erewhon and, or something like, I wonder if Rick's going to do. Um, and I replied with some comment of, oh, I think that already exists. Ha ha ha. I think it's called, um, Gates of Antares. Um, but you know, I, I hear Gates, is a wonderful game. Um, I, I own it. I have never played it. Um, and I know Rick put a lot of time and effort into making it, and I'm a huge Rick fan of Rick. Um, the rules read re- really well, but um, it, it it takes place in a universe that um, exists, and I'm not entirely um, a huge fan of that universe. Um, not that it's not cool. Um, it's a little on the high, s- high science fiction side, um, and personally... Uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm there yet. And so I'm not saying I won't get there. Knowing me, I probably will. Um, however, this got me going down a dark rabbit hole of um, laying awake thinking about work, needing to think about something else, and um, remembering as I dug through my closet to find some things to sell on eBay that I actually have an astonishing number of Rogue Trader 40K models Um probably more than I have old school fantasy models that I've been using for warlords, but the, oh, idea- really? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's astonishing. Um, I have an entire, uh, <laughs> rogue trader era in metal, never been painted, uh, space Marine army. I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me how I got it. I eh. So, um, I have gone on a little weird rabbit hole and, um, I've been, reverse engineering just like i did for gi joe and bolt action um i don't know what's wrong with me um i've started reverse engineering some of the army lists for warlords of erewan um and unlike the gi joe thing where i was trying to add some rules to make it fit the setting um i i went with the idea that paragraph out of third ed warhammer fantasy that i'm glad you brought that up dave um that said you can take 40k models and put them in this universe and so i'm sort of coming up with generic space fantasy lists for space elves space orcs with a c um (laughs) galactic marine fellows in power armor um and sort of human adventurers uh human space
1: idea. and yeah you've totally misread my segue. But we can talk about this if you want. Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> I, worst segue ever then. Sorry. Uh,
1: no, no. Totally so, happy to talk about this. It sounds like a cool idea because I've got a, 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 um Imperial Fist, Rogue Trader Imperial yeah, Fist army sitting there. So we'd need some chaosy dudes, I guess.
0: Uh, I have some of those too. Um <laughs> turns out uh, I've got a lot of Rogue Trader models because I'm – pathetic uh anyway so um i've been reverse doing that so i'm hoping in the next week or two to put up on uh the website a hey. a list of Oof. beta rules for people to look at um, but yeah
1: yeah you know, you know, f- guns get a lot better in the grim dark future yes um that would seem a A major difference?
0: Yes, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That is something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, So I didn't want to monkey with the rules. And um, I know that it would probably be easy to throw in some reaction rules from Gates of Antares and Shazam, you'd probably be there. But again, I didn't want to change the rules to the point where psychers use magic, use the magic spells and the rules from the game. So um, I, I wanted to keep it literally as is. Um, so what I've added because every army list sort of has its own sort of list of weapons um, and special rules that goes with it, um, I'm using a lot of the weapons um, profiles that exist within you know, warlords of Erwan um, and um, point values, of course, to make it balance with existing lists. Um, but so for example, the longbow in the space elf list has been replaced with the, Um, long range laser rifle and so but to sort of reflect how shooting needs to be slightly better um, i reversed engineered how many points it is to increase the shooting profile by one and i'm basically adding one to the accuracy score of Mm. every model in that in in all of those lists to make their shooting slightly more accurate Um, I don't want shooting to be ridiculous. um, But I mean, some people, um, as I said, sort of grumble about dwarves being really powerful. um, And I did use sort of the dwarf model for the galactic marines, i.e. space marines Uh um, list. But um, if you add in some of the special weapons, which are based on um, some of the profiles of other weapons in the game, i.e. bolt throwers, i.e you know, flaming breath weapons off of some of the units. If you can add those at the squad level, um, that really makes, you know, some of the shooting a lot more um,
1: Yeah, and applicable. I guess if you dialed up terrain commensurately on the table yeah. as well. So, yeah, no, I think that could work.
0: Yeah, I, I, look, again, I, it's not for competitive play, it's for narrative funsies. Yeah.
1: No, it's a fun idea and I think it's it it kind of, you know, Rogue Trader was never a serious simulation in any way.
0: No. So <laughs> And as and as you said, um when we were talking off air, Rogue Trader was always more space fantasy than it was yeah. science fiction.
1: I think when um a friend of mine first told me about forty K, uh he he uh Hughes said it was it was really it was like Napoleonics in space. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just kind of like brightly coloured things marching towards each other, That's whereas um...
0: it was sold to me as Dungeons and Dragons in space with <laughs> armies. So I was like, "Oh, cool! Orcs, goblins, you know, yeah. great." Um, and what? Really, um, I think is driving this is a few years ago, God, a while ago, maybe a decade ago, it's just been sitting in a box and collecting dust, is a friend, actually the friend that turned me on to tabletop gaming, because before that I was sort of, I mean, I played Car Wars and Battletech, but I'd never played miniature games. But he and I sort of fell into miniature war gaming sort of simultaneously. Um, We picked up Warhammer 40,000, and I played Space Marines and he played Orcs. And, oh. um, you know, for years, that was all we did was we just play each other in each in our yep. basements. And that was my first couple years of wargaming. And I had the same space Marine army and I keep building on it. And he had the same work army and he kept building on it. Um, and the, I, you know, as a child, I remembered them being massive armies. Uh, yeah, no. Um, but we were kids <laughs> saving pennies and, you know, you didn't need a lot back then, um, to play, you yeah. know, rogue trader or second edition 40 K. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah. this guy, um, gifted me his original orc army, um, which, you know, as I no longer own my original space Marines, um, much to my own sadness, um, to be able to take the models that I first played war games with. And I mean, we're talking, what, 30, 40 almost years ago? And to yep. be able to put them on the tabletop again, that is what I'm looking forward to. Oh, try. It must
1: be 30 year. years, yeah. Yeah,
0: thir- <laughs> it's got to be 30. Um, I, I'm forgetting how old I am right now, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, 30, it's gotta be, um, cause I, that just, it just, it's hitting me as you, as you mentioned the N word earlier, nostalgia is driving me hard at the moment. Hence my love <laughs> of GI Joe and, you know, Warlords of Arrow on seven TV, all well, of these
1: games, right? Seven TV. That's what I was trying to bring ah. up before. <laughs>
0: Oops. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, move on. To seven TV then. So, uh, Dave, you and I have also been playing a lot of, well, I don't know a lot, but we've been playing a fair bit of seven TV, um, which for those who don't know at home, actually, Dave, I did the preamble on the other games. Do you want to tell us about what seven TV is? The sort of the high concept statement?
1: Uh, seven TV is, um, Pulp TV. Um, James Bond crazy nice. st- stuff, um, but it's, it's slightly weird in that it, there's, there's like a metagame where you're actually uh, a, a running a TV series and so mm-hmm. the, the, your armies are called casts and things. So it's kind of got these, uh, this, you know, your army selection is actually putting together a script in the show and the structure of the, of the game itself, there's kind of the opening sequence mm-hmm. and the middle part and then the end sequence um, that with these countdown cards uh, that you flip each turn and, and they cause random stuff to happen. Yeah. And um, and it's it's a game that's really designed to tell a story, isn't it? It's, it is. It's, the, it, it's quite the opposite of of Warlords of Arrow, on the story comes out of the the heroes dashing about punching each other in the face. Mm-hmm. But Seven TV is um rescue the scientist or mm-hmm. stop the bomb from blowing up or whatever and, exactly. uh, it, it's it's uh, it's it's good fun in a completely different direction
0: it is and one of the neat things about it is as you mentioned it's sort of well just like warlords of aewona i suppose it's miniature agnostic so you can and in fact it's designed to be just like warlords but in a way that's really interesting because you're sort of building these casts you mm. can end up with and these rules literally exist in the game you can have the ghostbusters team up with um you know the the cast from scooby-doo against (laughs) you know cobra from gi joe and blofeld from james bond um and then somewhere in the middle of it the visitors from the from the 80s can land and you know start zapping people it's amazing
1: yeah and it's kind of and again the structure is there where there's kind of a, a list of generally good guys and a list of generally bad guys. Mm-hmm. And there's these profile cards. And uh, and I think he could create some really nice synergies and think about it and, and select it. But we've done yeah. it where we've just <laughs> sat down and has, uh, here's some minis we've got. Yeah. Well, that looks kind of like a action hero, right? What's the card for action hero? Right. Done. Mm-hmm. That guy looks a bit like a scientist. Oh, there's the scientist card. And, uh, and, and then the – so that took, what, 10 minutes – yeah for a couple of armies together that's mm-hmm. cool
0: <laughs> it is and it's it's almost like then you need to i, lo- I see I, that's how i love doing army list these days because it sort of forces you to tactically deal with what you have available and what your opponent yep. has and how you're going to try and adapt and i just I, that's kind of where i'm at at the moment as a gamer and i'm just i'm loving it um yep. and there's just, there's a lot of opportunities using those cards to really get wacky, um, but to tell a story. Um, you, in our last game, um, you had sort of the, the 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 mystical woman from the Far East with magical powers and her um, crew. Sorry, what?
1: I was going to say, yeah, a bunch of mercenaries with AK-47s, because mm-hmm. they were the guys I happened to have.
0: That's right. <laughs> And the cyborg uh, sort of bodyguard companion. Meanwhile, yep. I was trying to infiltrate her secret lair um, with, you know, uh, the the Kung Fu action hero and his sort of buddy, a bunch of um, sort of militia buddies from the local town um, who are trying to, you know, try and conquer yep. or stop her from, like, conquering their lands. And um yeah and what all of that narrative took us about five seconds to come up with and i know it doesn't sound very good artists talking about it now but it made for a fun ass game
1: but Um, it was nice because you'd laid out um, some terrain that had a a, um, an asian kind of theme to it mm -hmm. i think you used some of your chinese i did um ba army um stuff and Mm -hmm. uh yeah so i had the the Asian princess. And, uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was, um, it felt very themy at the time and it you guys were, were dashing around trying to, um, stop me from performing my, my ritual mm-hmm. unspecified. That's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we don't need to talk about it, Dave. It's not appropriate. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I know we use the same rules, um, because there does actually exist a full set of rules on there on the, uh, Crooked Dice, the company that makes seven t TV, TVs website, um, that I downloaded for literally a couple pounds, um, and I got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle rules, um, yep. and because I was a huge fan of the black and white comics as a kid, no, not the cartoons, no, not the movies, yep. the the old school, the violent, yep. like you know the yep. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness role playing yep. game in the eighties. Yep. Anyway, um, so I got all the. I got the whole turtle crew, including Casey Jones and April O'Neil, like the original April and um, the blonde one and splinter and all that. And we had, you know, I took them and you took, uh, you know, the Splinter, uh, the shredder and the foot clan and you had a a mountain of ninjas and Baxter Stockman and his mousers. And
1: And, it was fun. It really captured the comic, didn't it? It I did my minion dudes, the turtles were just flicking them away. and Smashing them. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was really good. That one.
0: But the rules were written so that that was supposed to happen. And it, and you were recycling villains. Like as guys were getting killed off, you were just spawning them back left, right and center. And it was, that's
1: okay. I've got more of them.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Go get them boys. And you're like, God damn it. And it was like the comics in the eighties. Like, the ninjas yeah, yeah. would just come out of everywhere, and you were like, "Oh my yeah. god, quick, kill them all!" Um, yeah, yeah, it was so much fun.
1: Yeah, I think it's it is it is fun, and and uh, I think it it really encourages you to, to try and tell those stories. Exactly, and I think the campaign system, which we've not explored,
0: no, we have not, that would
1: let you take the. Take your things, but I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that would bring stuff too. But it was just, um, yeah, just throwing those models down and telling the stories is good fun. It is.
0: And we've been playing the basic rules, um, the free downloadable rules from the website. Um, and we've been using the rule set that I got in the um, 7TV Second Ed, um, the Inch High Spy-Fi box. Um, but since then, they've done uh, a set of post-apocalyptic rules which sort of update the rules apparently a little bit and add a whole lot, including vehicle rules, and they're about to drop the pulp rules, so you can do okay. like Indiana Jones, um, ah. and the mystical, you know, raiding the temple and World War two and okay. interwar well, that's, period.
1: That's nice because one of the things I, I like the uh, um, the cards. I thought when I first saw the rules that it it'd be very cluttered, but in mm-hmm. fact, the the cards reduce the amount of flipping that you have to do, doesn't it? Because does. so, you've got the, the rules, the special rules sitting there in front of you. So mm-hmm. you remember what your army can do. So I, I really yeah. like that. The, the post-apocalyptic, I've been playing some, um, this is not a test.
0: That, I keep hearing that's a great game. I need to look that it, up.
1: It's a fun game. It's quite simple, but I think, seven TV is probably a superior game mm. um or was or, or superior in the sense that I think it's better for telling stories mm. and would lead to wider wider range of games um, it's uh yeah, yeah. I, it, it's uh, it's well worth having a look at and um I think you you those I think well you you can download the rules for free it's it's probably worth looking into buying the cards or getting yes. some print-on-demand cards or something because they mm-hmm. do bring a nice bit of color to the table.
0: They do. And I i know we. I've been playing a fair bit of card games where you put the models for the cards down, um, be it Star Wars Legion or uh, Malifaux. And I think that you get a nice level of detail that is somewhere between sort of the simplistic, streamlined cards that you get in Star Wars Legion, um, which sometimes make me kind of wanting just a little bit more. And don't get me wrong. I love I love me some Legion. I just feel like, you know, maybe a little bit more on the cards versus okay. Malifaux, which is like a small paperback book on every card. And, you, you know, my eyes hurt after playing that game. And I am so lost. You know, there's so few models on the board and yet mm-hmm. you have so many cards with so many rules on them that you're like, okay, I cannot remember what my models do, let alone what my opponent's models do. It it doesn't make for good, casual, fun gaming yeah. as well as I think 7TV hits that sweet spot, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. I think for anyone with um, a little bit of gaming experience, 7TV is pretty easy to pick up. Yeah,
0: and it, God just like warlords of 1, it's fun, man. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think the people who have been doing both game systems need a good pat on the back and a cold one bought for them because, um, I just, I cannot stop playing those games. They are so much fun.
1: Um, car- card unit, car- unit cards seem to be a bit of a meta thing at the moment. I, I, I picked up, mm. um, airfix battles, the introductory war game.
0: Yes. Tell us about um, this.
1: Well, again, it's just unit. You know, it really is very, very basic. I've, I've just had a read of the rules and, and looked at it myself. But again, you've got the unit cards that kind of describe what what you can do, and um, it's it, it's meant to be a gateway drug.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Worked for me. Something I hadn't mentioned that, that you didn't know because I haven't been posting any photos or anything. I'm painting one seventy second US at the moment. What? <laughs> Cause I need a new scale.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say you need a new scale. You need a new game system, and you need another set of models. What?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And So I've got two work desks at the moment. You see, because I've got one one in Melbourne for when I'm when I'm contracting and, and getting paid work, at one mm-hmm. and one for when I'm in the bush. So the my my bold action, my conflict forty seven, and everything's all in the bush, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've got the the second chewy plastic. <laughs> Awesome. here in melbourne
0: yeah no i um i've been relegated to um a fold away tray that i put away and put back out when i'm painting and that's it's great
1: because you end up, it takes you 20 minutes to set up and pack up again at the end and so you end up using half your hobby time just mm-hmm. fiddling
0: well thankfully it's it's a really it and my wife did a research when she found this thing um it is literally i just lift it up slide it under um our TV stand and it disappears. And then the, um, the legs just fold up and go next to it. It, it is like 30 seconds. And when she suggested that we do that, so I don't take up, you know, half the dining room table all the time, like I used to, uh, I was like, yeah, no, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, no, sorry about that. And then she went, no, we're going to try it. And she went out Mm -hmm. and got it and man, it works. I, it my one gripe is, um, it's keeping me contained to too few projects um, because well, I'm like, well, I can't spread out. Damn it. I can't get into well, too many things.
1: Um, that's probably not a bad thing. No, it's
0: not at all. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing. Uh, it's making, it means that I'm getting more done um, yeah. probably yeah. this year and at the um, end of last year than I have in years.
1: Yeah. I, I think I'm, I've got a have I've got to stop. Stone like so many other gamers, I've I've got to I've got to bring a project to fruition. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I had this wonderful moment uh, last night. Um, I was talking with our good friend Patch, and he was saying that he'd played a game of Forty K in uh, Canberra, and he played an old friend of ours, um, Ash, and I- um, he. They were playing, and uh, Patch was talking about how his death guard was doing against Tyranids, and I had this like weird moment where I asked Patch, "Were they black Tyranids? Did they have their heads resculpted to look like the aliens from Alien?" Did-? and he went, "Yep, they were yours." And I went, "Oh my god!" Because for those <laughs> who keep track at home, Patch has painted a lot of models for me god bless his cotton socks and his amazing ability to crank out models faster than any other human being i've ever seen yeah, it's, um,
1: it's sinister. he's got he's got one of those time turners like him
0: exactly right um and he's helped me out because between doing this show and work often being ugly and me being a slow painter i don't get much done these days um but he just cranks through stuff, and so I have, I've been blessed by having a lot of models that he's painted over the years. Um, and I think that relationship as far as him painting for me is, I think he's probably painted enough. I feel so bad. Um, but uh, I do actually feel bad. I'm not actually making jokes there. But um, he, I've, I've played countless games. I, I literally could not count. The number of games I've played using models that Patch has painted or played against models that Patch has painted because, you know, I play a lot of games and they often involve the models for the games that Patch happens to have painted for me. And so um, to have Patch sit down and play a game where my models are on the board and I wasn't there, um, I just found that deliciously ironic. (laughs) I was yes. like, "Oh my god, my army!" And he's like, "Wow, it's a really nice army, and it's finished." And I was like, "Shut up, Ash. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's it's great. Um, That's
1: funny. Have we lost the plot after ninety minutes?
0: Maybe. What are you What are you talking about? We never lose the plot. Uh, yeah. So I I think not, not
1: when you're building narrative games. Can't no, lose the plot.
0: Correct. That is the right way of doing that. And I think my chair just screeched something awful. So um, when we start talking about the noises in the background, you know it's probably about that time. Uh, Dave, before we roll out, is there anything else that you would like to mention?
1: Um, No, I don't think so. I mean, it's it's, um, it's been fun having having these narrative games where, where you don't need to spend... Too much investment up front, and chance Mm -hmm. to get the old models on the table. So I think they it's uh, it's scratching an itch that's uh, quite quite nice. Yeah,
0: man, it's just been so much. I know I keep saying it, but fun. It has been fun. and I think I'm to a point where maybe competitive can go take a walk for a little while and I can spend a lot of time just sitting down and pushing some things around and laugh and laugh and have fun.
1: I think that's kind of, there's kind of a mood around Melbourne like that at the moment though, because mm. it's a bit of a Gasland scene. Yes. And, and I think uh, Kill Team kind of mm-hmm. brings that a little bit and, uh, mm-hmm. and the BA bold action days we're more towards narrative type events where we'll kind of theme and be in the desert or or whatever so i I think that's uh it's the zeitgeist yes the vibe
0: it's a uh, it's a renaissance of um (laughs) of gaming one might say (laughs) i never heard that before uh but No. no i mean you you mentioned the beautiful chinese terrain um the buildings from that were printed, uh, 3D printed and painted by the very talented Rob Deacon, who um, has been on the show before. But he ran, um, as you're talking about, a narrative bolt action day where it was. And I think I mentioned this on a previous episode. It was bolt action games between, um, based in the war in China um, between yep. Japanese and Chinese forces. And it was fantastically fun. Historically themed battles with historically themed armies um and it was just so much fun just to sit down and push some models around and then get yeah. a beer afterwards and unwind it was great
1: yeah good fun do you reckon there's any appetite at some of those hobby days to do full on attacker defender type things
0: that might be a lot of fun man uh, man yeah. i don't know let's do it i mean what's stopping us <laughs>
1: Playing 7TV,
0: mate. Yeah, well, that too. 7TV, <laughs> Warlords of Erewhon, uh, yeah. yeah, Gaslands, you name it. There's there's a lot yeah. out there that's. And man, Malfo version 3 is about to drop again, and that's going to make or break whether or not I play that more than once. Um, and, you know, if not, there might be, you know, yep. selling some of those unpainted models I don't have. I don't know. Yep. Too many games. Too many games. Well, um, on that note, which seems to be a note that we often end on, I think it's probably time to call it a day. Um, Good So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I know I probably haven't mentioned it in the last couple episodes, but if you have feedback for the show, uh, please go to the Cast Dice Facebook page. That's C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you message it, there's only one person who checks that page. That's me, Brad. Hi. Um, I have to thank all the people who have been giving me uh, feedback about the show recently. Guys, it means a lot. Um, I know I have guests on all the time and friends like Dave. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it really is just sort of a one-man operation. And so um, all the kind words and the ideas for the future. Um, I know recently we talked to uh, a player about The Ninth Age, uh, and we went into a little bit of depth on that. Um, that had been something that had been requested by a few folks Um, If you want to hear me talk about something, uh, get into a game, or talk about something that you know that I already play and love, God, I I need very little encouragement sometimes. Um, Just (laughs) send us some love and we'll, you know, send it back. Um, But regardless, I think I am beginning to waffle. Uh, If you are enjoying this talk about Warlords of Erwan, stay tuned. We will be talking more about that, and I'm sure 7TV at some point. But I will be having the one and only Rick Priestley on Cast Dice, not the Warlord cast, to talk about um, sort of the golden days of uh, game writing and uh, Warlords of erwan Look for it very soon. It is coming like Christmas. Dave, I have to say a giant thank you for coming back on, man. It is always a pleasure.
1: Absolutely. No, it's a good to have a bit of a chin wag and. Uh... Sort of, I, I think you've added to my ideas for, for hobby projects instead of made them shorter. So,
0: you know, it's... <laughs>
1: Oops. Now it's wonderful.
0: <laughs> well, you are the biggest facilitator of um, games that I happen to play because you are the gentleman who's always like, yeah, man, I'll play that. And so I'm like, God damn it. All these terrible ideas are all of a sudden, oh yeah, that's a possibility.
1: Damn it. Oh. I'm glad to facilitate your poor life choices, Brad.
0: (laughs) And man, there's some poor ones. Speaking of (laughs) which, I just got the new, uh, the reissued Battletech box set, Dave. How about we give that a push at some point?
1: Sure. Yes. Wank, wank, I'm a tank. Let's go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, when you are playing the games that Dave and I absolutely love playing, I hope that you have fun. Uh, But, you know, oh, God, I... Can't even do the exit to my own show properly. I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than anything else, we hope that you are having fun. Good night.